are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to read verse number 1 down to verse number uh, verse number 3. And I'll give you the thought God's in my heart for tonight. And uh, probably when I announced Ezekiel chapter 37, my wife had flashbacks like a war veteran. Because my first year in the ministry, every time I preached, I preached from Ezekiel chapter 37. I was just drawn to that chapter. It's an amazing chapter, this passage especially shows what the power of God can do, how God can take something that's dead and bring revival to it. And I preach it over and over and over and over again, but I want to encourage your heart. I'm not preaching that same sermon tonight, but uh, I preach this passage all the time, but I haven't preached it since. But God laid it on my heart for this evening. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 1. The Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. By the way, if you marked your Bible, I put a parenthesis around that phrase, and I wrote down in my Bible, May it ever be so. I don't know about you, but I know this. I need and I want the hand of the Lord upon my life. And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, He is the Lord, Son of Man. Now, I don't know this, but I think maybe the Lord used that phrase to speak to Ezekiel to remind Ezekiel of exactly who he was. He's not the Lord. He's not in control. He doesn't have power to change a circumstance or situation. But thank God he's in the valley with one who does. He said, Son of man, and he asked the question, Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. God never asked you and I a question to gain information. He knows everything. But God will often ask you and I a question to make us stop and realize that we don't have the answer and that we need God. In this, in this valley, in the midst of this valley, filled with bones, on all sides, death, on all sides, destruction, on all sides, defeat. God asked Ezekiel, you think life can come out of this? You reckon it can live? Can death give way to life? Can it live. I think we probably could make a list, and the list would be very lengthy, of the questions that probably I've asked myself and you've asked yourself, especially during the last period of our life. be a long list. But probably if we were to take those questions and just condense them down into one question, that question would probably be this, can it live? Is there hope? Will we see victory? Can it get turned around? Can it live? For a little while this evening, I want to try to be an encouragement to your heart, and I'm praying God will use it to encourage mine as well. And I want to preach on that question. Can it live? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach tonight. I pray you'd please encourage us through the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible, the truths that are in it. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for guiding us safely thus far. I pray you'd continue to lead us through. I pray that you'd meet with us in an unmistakable way tonight. I think about the young lady in the hospital. Lord, she needs to hear a message. It can live. I think about those who are struggling in whatever area of life. They need to hear it from heaven tonight, that it can live. And I pray you'd encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ever to go back and visit the area where I'm from, and especially where Desiree grew up, 
You'd see this site over and over again as you drive those country roads in West Virginia. The scene is over and over again where there's a field there. It was obvious there used to be a home. The home is gone, but there's still a chimney standing. Have you ever seen that before? Everything else is gone. The woods decayed and decomposed, or maybe it's burnt down, but the chimney is still standing there. I saw a painting like that. There was a painting there where an old country cabin was on fire and almost burned to the ground and the chimney alone stood amidst the rising black smoke. Out in front of that burning cabin was an old man, obviously a grandfather, standing in his night clothes. Next to him was a little boy in overalls. That little boy had tears running down his face. They were standing there watching all of their earthly possessions, their earthly wealth, go up in flames and up in smoke. Everything seemingly was gone. The artist took liberty to put words in the mouth of the grandfather and he put a quote at the bottom of that painting and as that grandfather looked at his grandson who was looking at everything they had in this world burn down and rise up in smoke. The grandfather looked at that young man and the quote said this, Hush child, God ain't dead. There's still hope. I want to ask the question tonight, is there hope? Is there a chance for victory? With all the dying that happens in the world around us every day, is there still possibility for life? Is there hope? Hope is defined as a desire of some good, accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it. Hope is not wishing. Hope is not empty emotion. But for the child of God, hope is a confident expectation built upon the promise of God and faith in the fact that God can and God will keep His promise. When the world thinks of hope, they cross their fingers. When the world thinks of hope, they run out and buy a rabbit's foot. When the world thinks of hope, they might purchase a lottery ticket. But when the child of God considers hope, we set our affections on things above and we rest our faith in the fact that God is well able to keep His promise and God will deliver in His time. We might live in what feels like a hopeless hour, but I'm glad to report tonight that we're not a hopeless people. I'll think about the statement in the last verse of the chorus, Mrs. Sly sung on Sunday morning, because Jesus lives, there is hope. I want to ask the question tonight, can it live? There's probably been a myriad of questions we've asked ourselves, especially during the last several months of life. But I think if we were to take those questions, condense them down into one question, we could sum up the totality of those questions by simply asking this, can it live? Abraham, I want to ask the question, is it possible for you to father a child with Sarah in your old age? Can it live? Noah, I want to ask you the question. Is it possible to build a boat that can ride out the worldwide flood and save your family from judgment? Can it live? Lazarus, I want to ask you the question. Is it possible to lay dead until you stink in the grave for four days and then yet experience resurrection? Can it live? Esther, I want to ask you the question. Is it possible to turn the heart of a king and to save your nation from judgment? Can it live? David, I want to ask the question, is it really true that you can kill a giant with a stone? Moses, I want to know, is it possible for the Red Sea to part? Job, let me ask the question, can your sorrow give way to joy again? Elijah, I want to know, when you pray, do you really expect fire to fall upon your altar? I want to ask the question tonight, can it live? Can the impossible happen? Can the need be met? Can the broken be put back together? Can it live? Can the low places be exalted? Can the crooked places be made straight? Can that which is dead live again? I want to know tonight, can it live? 
What is it in your life this evening that is your it? That it in your life that you're asking your own heart, can it live? Maybe you're asking yourself, is there hope for my soul? Can it live? Maybe it's your marriage. Can it live? Maybe it's your business. Can it live? Maybe it's your ministry. Can it live? Maybe it's our city. Can it live? Maybe it's our nation. Can it live? Maybe it's your children. Can it live? I don't know what it is, but I don't doubt that many here tonight that the title of this message has been the reoccurring question of your life. And you've asked yourself this, not just every day, but maybe throughout the day, whatever it is, and you've yet to find the answer, but you ask it over and over again. Can it live? I don't know how many times I've heard it, especially in the last segment of our life. It cannot live. Have you heard that? I hear it in the news cycle. I see it on social media. I've heard it in pulpits. I've heard it in pews. I've heard it in counseling sessions. I've heard it in conversation at the store where people, preacher, uh, normal person, lost, saved, doesn't matter, alike have chimed in and said whatever it is, it can't live. Can I say one of the struggles of life is to keep yourself from viewing life and the circumstances of life through the lens of your own ability. Every day, we have to fight against the tendency of our flesh to look at circumstances and situations through what we can or cannot do about it. Often I find myself looking at whatever it is. When I see a mountain, I can't move it. When I see a river, I can't cross it. When I see a battle, I can't win it. And I look at whatever it is through the power and ability of Justin. And when I do that, I'm quick to chime in and say, it can't live. When it's big and I look through my own ability, it's too big. When it's hard and I look through my own ability, it's too hard. When it's messy and I look at what I can do, it's too messy. When it seems impossible and I look through my own ability, it stays impossible. And whatever it is, at whatever time in life, when I view it through my ability to handle it, it always seems like it cannot live. I want to say it tonight, the self-lens is a faith killer. The self-lens is a hope killer. The self lens is a joy killer. You cannot live life like that. You can't live life like that when you have a Red Sea. If you go to the Red Sea and look at it through your own ability, you're going to get discouraged and turn back and declare it cannot live. You can't live life like that on Mount Carmel when you need fire to fall on your altar. If you do, you'll look at it and say, it's too hard for me and declare it cannot live. You can't look at life like that when a decree has been sent forth that all of your nation shall be destroyed. If you do, you'll say there's no hope and declare it cannot live. You can't live life like that when you have to save your family from a judgment. If you do, you'll say it's too great for me and declare that it cannot live for the child of God tonight. It is imperative. It is imperative that we don't live life like the lost world around us and look at life through what we can and cannot do about it. But we had to resign our faith in the fact that even though I can't handle it and you might not can handle it and I don't know the way and I don't have the answer, thank God our God can part the Red Sea, bring down the fire, save a nation, preserve a family. Our God can make a dead thing live again. 
We ought not look at life through a self lens, but look at life through a God lens and don't measure whatever it is against self, but measure whatever it is up against God. The other day, my son and I, Lincoln, were going to go outside and work on, the, on our new vehicle. I don't have anything I need to do to that thing, but I make up stuff to do to that thing just so we can have something to do. We're going outside and we're going to turn a bolt. I was just teaching them how to use tools. And we're going out there and turn a big bolt underneath the underside of that Hummer. Now the directions, and by that I mean YouTube, told me to jack the thing up. But I don't have a jack and I didn't want to drive over here. And I don't know about church insurance and didn't want to worry. So anyway, we just did it in the driveway. We got underneath that thing. We were walking out toward it. And I was carrying the flashlight and a measuring tape. We didn't need that, but I just thought it just carry it out there. Lincoln had the wrench and, and a ratchet and a screwdriver. And we were walking out there, and I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to turn this bolt. There's too much weight on it, too much uh, force behind it. I'll never be able to turn it. He's going to think Dad's the biggest wimp in the world. And I'm trying to keep him from thinking that as long as possible. And anyway, we're walking out there to that bolt. I'm walking out there thinking we'll never get the victory. Lincoln's walking out there like it's already been turned. I looked at him and said, you seem pretty, pretty sure we're going to turn that bolt, uh, big fella. And he looked at me and said, I'm not going to turn it. You're going to turn it. That's why he had that spirit of victory. He wasn't looking at it through what he could do. He knew he probably couldn't turn it. He didn't even know where the ratchet went. But he knew daddy was with him. And what he couldn't do, he had faith enough to think, maybe my father can handle it all. Here's what I'm saying tonight. When it's big and I look at it through the lens of God, it's never too big. When it's messy and I look at it through God, it's never too messy. When it's hard and I look at it through God, it's never too hard. When it seems impossible and I view it through God, the impossible can happen. I think about the song, when compared to God, everything is small. And I'll say it again. It might seem like a hopeless hour, but you and I are not a hopeless people. There might be defeat around us, but thank God there's victory within us. And even though a lot is dying, I'm glad our God can take that which is dead and make it live again. Our God is the creator of life. Our God is the sustainer of life. Everything that has life, it has it on loan from our God. Our Savior is the resurrection and the life. He gave us eternal life. Day by day, He offers abundant life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. He quickened our dead bodies to make us alive in Christ. The Word of God is the Word of life. Sing them o'er again to me. Wonderful words of life. And we've got to remember that with our God, whatever is, it is emotionally, spiritually, financially, family, whatever it is that you say is as good as dead. If God got in it, I'm here to say it can live. Don't throw in the towel. It can live. God's on his throne. Don't seal the coffin on it yet. It can live. God is alive and well. Don't say it's over. It can live. God has not lost his power. Ezekiel is in a valley. He's surrounded by obvious death on every side. But just a few short verses later into the chapter, with God, Ezekiel sees one of the greatest revivals recorded on the pages of Scripture. Ezekiel 37 finds the preacher in a strange place. He's in a place he would have never chosen for himself. But he's in a place that had been purposely positioned by God. In the opening verse of the chapter... The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord had picked up Ezekiel and providentially placed him in that location. Ezekiel is carried out 
by the Spirit of the Lord, and he's dropped in the midst of a valley. Now, I asked the question at the beginning of the message, is there hope? Can I say there's not much of a more hopeless place than a valley? In the Middle East, that's some of the lowest valleys in the world. The valley where Sodom and Gomorrah were is 1,300 feet below sea level. I dare say Ezekiel in Bible college did not pray, Oh God, let me pastor in the valley. He probably did not say, I sure hope to hold revival in the valley. I doubt he penciled it on his prayer list. Maybe one of these days I'll get to serve in the valley. A valley is a very low place. It's a dangerous place. And in the Bible, it's always associated with hopelessness. So if you were just to go off the location in the valley, no doubt and ask Ezekiel, can it live? He probably would have answered and said, nope. But compounding the hopelessness of his location is what surrounds him in that location. The Bible said he's carried out and he's placed in the valley, but everywhere he looks, on every side, he's surrounded by bones. As he looks around to the right, the left, and front and back, there are bones on every side. Now, one or two bones in a valley is no big deal. But the Bible said these are not just animal bones, but human bones, and there's very many in the open valley, and lo, the Bible says they are very dry. So picture this preacher. He's placed in a valley. On all sides are bones. He cannot even see the ground. The bones are so thick and piled up in that valley. They've been there a long while. It's the site of a battle that's been lost. It's obvious death, and death has been there a long time, no doubt. In the heart of that man, it had to rise up within him. A little bit of doubt, a little bit of wondering, can it really live? Now he's standing there in the midst of these bones. And God tells him, I want you to stand and just take it in a minute. Look at verse number 2. And cause me to pass by them round about. And behold, there are very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. God wants Ezekiel to soak it in. And by the way, this is not the message, but it's a message in itself. It'd do us well every once in a while to unplug the phone, to get away from any distraction, and just drive the streets of our city and look at the people walking about and see all the homes on every street and remind ourselves that we're here for more than fellowship. Thank God for that. We're here for more than fun and thank God for that. We're here to reach a world that knows not Christ and must have the gospel. And when's the last time I, and when's the last time you remembered our purpose and we stopped and let it hit us that there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus saves. Ezekiel looks around. He sees bones on his right. He looks around. He sees bones on his left. He looks ahead there are bones before him he looks behind and there are bones behind him everywhere he looks it is death it is death it is death and it is death it's probably safe to bet well I reckon we're not supposed to bet it's probably safe to get gambles betting isn't it all right so let me hypothesize uh probably as Ezekiel looked around and he saw the scattered bleached dry battered by the weather bones all around him probably his heart was overwhelmed with that situation imagine over there's a skull over there's a femur over there's a spinal column everywhere he looks there is death Isaiah wrote and he said the nation was full of sores but those sores had putrefied and caused the death of the nation and now everywhere Ezekiel looks he sees hopelessness he sees impossibility he sees obvious death 
Now the Lord speaks to Ezekiel in verse number 3. And he asked him the question that's the basis for our message. He said, and he said unto me, Son of man, watch the question. Can these bones live? God is asking Ezekiel, can the impossible be possible? Can the hard thing be accomplished? Can that which is hopeless still have hope? Again, I'll say, I, I think the flesh of Ezekiel would have liked to have cried out, Nope, there's no hope. Nope, it's too hard. Nope, it cannot live. It's as though he'd say, Abraham, you'll never have an Isaac. Esther, you'll never see your nation saved. Noah, you will not save your family. Daniel, you'll never make it through the lion's den. It's too big. It's too dead. It's too hard. It can't live. Right now tonight, as I'm preaching this message, if you listen to our news cycle, that's the news cycle of our day. It can't live. Our nation, it can't live. The economy, it can't live. Corruption, and it can't live. Our school system, it can't live. On and on they go. It can't live. It can't live. It can't happen. And it's safe to assume probably some of God's people have thought the same thing. Maybe it's your job and it's very uncertain right now. And you've asked yourself, can it live? Maybe it's your ministry and you don't know what God is doing in it. And you've asked yourself, can it live? Maybe it's your health and your health is struggling right now. And you've gotten discouraged and you've wondered, can it live? Maybe it's your home and your home is not what it ought to be. And you've asked yourself, can it live? live. I'm glad tonight. Ezekiel did not lean upon his flesh, but he rested his faith in God. And he does what you and I must do when those questions rise up in our life. He doesn't look at his own ability. He doesn't look at what he can do, but he turns back to the Lord and he says, Oh Lord God, thou knowest. Can I say that's probably one of the truest statements ever made by man. God, I can't, but you can. I don't know, but you know. I can't do it, but I think you can do it. Ezekiel says, God, if it's left up to me, these bones would stay dry. If it's up to me, these bones would stay dis uh, discarded. If it's up to me, these bones would stay divided. If it was up to me, these bones would stay uh, dead. But God, it's not up to my ability. I'm trusting in your ability. And God, you know, and I believe you can make these dead bones live again. Here's what Ezekiel does. He waters an impossible situation with gallons of faith in God. That's what you've got to do. When the lawn of your life gets a little bit dry and the ground gets a little bit fallow, go out there with a gallon bucket of faith in God and get to watering the lawn of your life again. And remember, it's not up to you and it's not about you and it isn't dependent on you. What I can't do, God can do. And he looks at him and says, Lord, you can do it. I think it can live. He gives Ezekiel some instruction. He said, Ezekiel, fine. Here's what I want you to do. And every preacher preaches on this. I want you to preach to the bones. Now I've heard the statement, preach as a dying man to dying men. But it'd be real hard to preach as a dying man to dead men. Case in point. Uh, but anyway, Ezekiel's made to prophesy to these bones. Can you see it? He's surrounded by these bleached bones on all sides. 
He does it. He begins to prophesy. All of a sudden, those bones begin, I was going to say shake, rattle, and roll, but we preached against rock and roll Saturday, Sunday, and that'd be inappropriate. But they did. They began to shake, rattle, and roll. And they began to move around that valley. All of a sudden, those bones began to leave their location. They began to shake off the dust of the valley and began to reconnect themselves. Can I say it's the Word of God that can do that? Only the Word of God can do that. Those bones came back together. They began to join right in their place. The sinews and the flesh came on those bones. I don't know about you, but that'd be pretty exciting to see, wouldn't it? All those bones come back together. Those skeletons are now rejoined, but they're still lifeless. There's no animation. God says, Ezekiel, now I want you to prophesy to the wind. He said, I want that breeze from heaven to blow on these bones. If you study your Bible, you know that the wind is often a picture or type of the Holy Spirit of God. And he's saying, if these dead bones are going to live again, it's going to take the Spirit of God to revive those dead bones. And he does. He prophesies to the wind. That wind, begins to blow through that valley that wind comes upon those dead bones and all of a sudden that which is dead trades out death for life just like at the Red Sea just like David and Goliath just like in the lion's den just like Paul in the Mamertine prison all of a sudden that which looked dead it lived again you ask Ezekiel Ezekiel can it live Ezekiel can it go on Ezekiel is their hope Ezekiel can it get turned around he might have been a naysayer in chapter 36 but he's a bona fide believer after chapter 37 and I think he'd stand up here tonight and say I don't care what it is I don't need to know it I know him and I'll tell you this if God gets in it that thing can live again you read the Bible and it's clear. Abraham and Sarah got their Isaac. Moses walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. Elijah saw fire fall on his altar. David killed a giant with a stone. Esther salvaged her entire nation. Impossible things happened. Hard things happened. Big things happened. I mean, strange things happened. And dead things lived again. Why? Because that's our God. And that's what our God can do. I'm not trying to veneer. I'm not trying to veneer reality. I'm not trying to be a, a, a Joel Osteen tonight and tell you everything's rosy because it's not. But I am here to tell you that with God, anything is possible. I know it's hard. And I know it can be dark. And I know some people are in a tight spot right now. But I am here to say that God can make dead things live again. Thank God. The Bible says Christ in you. The hope of glory. The Bible says rejoice in hope. The Bible calls our God the God of hope. And you might ask yourself, can it live? And I'm here to say because Jesus lives, there is hope. Can it live? Noah, can it live? David, can it live? Moses, can it live? Joshua, can it live? Elijah, can it live? Ruth, can it live? Job, can it live? Esther, can it live? And they'd all anthem back in unison and say, it can live. That God, that God, that God is still on the throne tonight. Don't throw in the towel. He's still where he's always been. Don't give up on God. He hadn't given up on you. Don't lose faith. God is still anchored to His faithfulness. He hasn't changed. He's immutable. Always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I don't, I don't just sit on the premises, Curtis Hudson said. I stand on the promises. Thank God for it. This text that we're reading from, the primary application is prophetic. Israel had been divided and separated. But one day God will restore His nation. 
But I think we can make an application for our lives tonight. And I'm not going to preach it because our time is gone, but I'll give you the three points. I always preach my introduction and have to give you three points in 30 seconds. Can it live? Number one, watch this. With God, those dead bones could live. Those bones were scientifically, medically dead. It wouldn't take some kind of genius to go out there, take the pulse of those bones and check their blood pressure and then conclude they're dead. I think that you and I can just tell from reading it, they're dead, they're dry, they're divided, they've been there a long time. But God got in it and they lived. Everywhere we go, we pass walking dead men, walking dead women, walking dead teenagers. And if you're not careful the way I do it, is I look on the outside and think they'll never want to get saved. They got everything pierced that didn't move so quick they couldn't pierce it. They look like they're in a mess. They got the world by the tail, they think, but the devil has them by the throat. And I look at them and think they'll never get saved. You know what? That's probably what they said about Nicodemus. That might be what they said about the Samaritan woman. I say they probably thought that about the maniac of Gadara. They might have had that conclusion in Zacchaeus' life. That man at the pool of Bethesda didn't look like much hope for him. But all of them would come and testify tonight and say, Hey, listen, those dead bones can live. And I would encourage North Valley Baptist Church, our purpose is still to help dead bones find life. This world around us needs the gospel. But I tell you what they need is a soul winner to get the gospel to them. And you and I, everywhere we go, it doesn't have to be organized soul winning. Organized soul winning is a misconception. Soul winning is not an organized thing. Soul winning is just what you do every day. Everywhere you go, have a gospel track in your pocket, in your purse, in the palm of your hand. At least have a witness on your lip. Everywhere you go, the gas station, you know they're lost in Walmart. Everybody in Walmart needs saved. Say amen right there. Thank you. But everywhere you go, hey, those dead bones can live. I was in Colorado on a Friday night two weeks ago. And I was preaching a youth rally just one night and came right back. And at the invitation, this little fella, during the youth rally, he won a, a prize. It was these little troll dolls. And they picked on him all night for those troll dolls. And I thought, that kid will never get saved. He's been picked on. Probably the first time I've ever been to church and all the preachers have done is picked on him all night for having these little girly toys, troll dolls. His name is Larry. During the invitation, Larry, praise the Lord, left his troll dolls, though I think he should have put them on the altar. But anyway, he left them in his chair. He came walking down to the front. And Larry looked at me and said, hey, preacher, do you mind telling me how to get saved? Amen. I said, Larry, I tell you this, I don't. <laughs> I want to tell you how to get saved. I tell you, I think it might help me more to help Larry. Can I tell you what will get your heart toward revival faster than anything? Be a soul winner. It can live. Number two, not only can these dead bones live, but a divided nation can live. Israel was a divided nation, a dispersed nation. God's prophesying and promising that it can live again. Tonight, how about you don't sound the death knell on America yet? I heard a preacher the other day say, you can pray for revival if you want to, it ain't going to happen. He ought not get a paycheck. Yep, yep. If I didn't believe God could send revival, I'd quit the ministry and get an honest job and I'd run for president. Say amen right there. <laughs> All right, vote for me. Anyway. Our nation doesn't deserve it. Our nation hadn't merited it. Our nation surely does not, has not earned it. But don't you think God might just be graceful enough and long-suffering enough, merciful enough to hear the prayer of a righteous remnant that would call out for Him to salvage America and spare America? I understand there's a ruling class in politics that's trying to keep us divided, but can I say, nothing's too hard for God. 
Don't lose hope. I hope you vote next Tuesday, but listen, whatever happens, God's still on His throne and a divided nation can live again. I, want, I tell you, I so want God to preserve our country because if Jesus doesn't come back, I don't want my son to have to fight things I've never even thought about. I want him to have church like this. I want him to sing songs like this. I want him to have preaching like we have here. I want him to have the, uh, the Christian school and the Bible college and the bus ministry. I want him to be able to have a family and raise a family in America and be able to worship God and, and live a life that we'd be proud of. I want that for him. But can I say, that's not going to happen on accident. We're going to have to pray on purpose. Number one, dead bones can live again. Be a soul winner. Number two, a divided nation can live again. Number three, a dry church can live again. I was studying this week. I think it was Ian Bounds said an old-fashioned revival is the medicine for these times. I tell you what we need more than anything else is that, as a church. And I'll say this, and I don't care if people don't like it or not. Our church is, is miles ahead of the average church I, I preach in as far as that goes. But I'll tell you what we need more than anything else. A touch of revival. Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts prayed for many years a simple prayer. He said, bend me. Oh God, bend me. Saying, God, if you need to break me, break me. If you need to change me, change me. And he prayed that for years, and then God sent the great Welsh revival. Most churches today are like these bones in this boneyard. They're dead, they're dry, and they're divided. The world is stumbling around in darkness, and the church sleeps in light. Seems like we've hung our harps on the willows and we put our swords in our sheath. Our trumpet no longer sounds, and now we're not marching to Zion. We're limping back toward Egypt. The average church is far from being a specimen of revival. Now we're a candidate for burial. I'll be honest with you, in America, and I'm closing, so don't get nervous about that, but the average activity in a church is church splits. The average activity is fighting. The average activity is division and criticism and quarrels. It's not soul winning or prayer meeting or bus running. We've gone from building altars and auditoriums and brush arbors to wanting to build fellowship halls for fun. And I'm all for that. I already said that, and you know that, but can I say that's not our purpose? The early church had power. Now we're proud if we have programs. The early church wanted the touch of God. Now we can barely take a touch of church. There's so many churches around America, they're trying to cut it down and have less, less, and less. My Bible says, and so much the more, as you see the days approaching, the bones are everywhere. There are bones in the pulpit. There are bones in the choir loft and bones in the Sunday school and bones running the buses and bones in the pews. But can I say, nothing is too hard for God. God can turn the thing around. There is still hope for a church triumphant in 2020 and in 2021. And I'm not giving up on God. I still believe that God can use a local church to impact a generation. I tell you what we need tonight is that breeze to blow. I don't know if anybody specifically needed to hear that or not. But I felt like maybe that was what, I had another message I was going to preach. And this is what God laid on my heart. That phrase, can it live? Can it live? And I'm here to tell you tonight, according to my Bible, if I know God, and if He's still the same God He was in Ezekiel chapter 37, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And then I'll finish the sentence. It can live. It can happen. God can do it. Have faith in God. I feel like having that old grandpa from the painting come and close out the invitation and just say, Hush, child. God ain't dead. There's still hope. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. 
May God bless you as you serve Him this week.